Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Well, we recently had the opportunity to participate in a very interesting conversation with some people whose names you'll probably know, but whose voices you may not have heard before. And here they are. How you doing? I've been following you on Twitter. Yeah, thank you. Doing, doing pretty well. Our big issue is whether or not Bookshare continues to be funded, and we're waiting to hear because it's the oh, once every five really? years. Yeah. But the good news is Republicans love us. Democrats love us. The president good. recommended an increase for our, our line item, which not a lot of education areas got a recommended increase from, from the Trump administration. Wow. But is that Ted? Indeed. Hi, yeah, Ted. Ted's on. Ted's here. Right. Man, we should be in the same place and having a drink, but instead we're just talking. Yeah. Yeah, What's this about? You set this up, Ted. There's no drink. Yeah. (laughs) When have we ever been uh, together and not been having a drink, I wonder? I know. First, this is the first. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always later in the day, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to open a bottle of wine right now. It's four o'clock. It's happy hour here. No, it's two o'clock here. I have a question for you guys. When was the last time you guys actually got together in one group? Oh, an NFB convention in Kentucky, probably. Wow. And how long ago was that? Uh, Ten years. Wow. Ten or more, because I haven't been to a convention since about 2004, three or four. Yeah. So this is an interesting get-together for you guys, too. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. Neat. I saw Dean recently back in April, but I haven't seen Jim in... uh... At least 12, 13 years. So by now you have probably guessed who those three men are. They are Dean Blasey, Jim Fruchterman, and Ted Henter, who respectively made important contributions to the development of refreshable braille displays, optical character recognition, and screen readers. And this is the first of a two-part series where you'll be hearing the rest of the interview. One of them asked, who set this up? And of course, the answer was Pete and I did. And how this all happened was, as you may have heard, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, we were really, really, really busy in the spring as we moved cross country. And we finally resorted to airing a few encore presentations. And among that handful of encore presentations was one each with Dean Jim and Ted. And then we got the idea because those were so popular. Wouldn't it be fun to get all three of them together at once and see what they're up to now? So let's start with our tip of the week as usual. And this tip comes from all three of them. Keep plugging away and don't give up. Working in this field was the best choice I ever made in terms of a career path. And It's made a huge difference to me. I'm just a much happier guy having found this field and this reason to exist. Well, I can second that one. I have to agree with these two gentlemen. And uh, I think the point is be prepared so when opportunities will come along. Mm -hmm. And when they do, you just want to make sure you're prepared. And we'll hear in the rest of the show how those attitudes have really worked to their advantage and how they've been able to do some great things by following their own advice. 
Support for Eyes on Success is made possible by Logan Tech, makers of the electronic take-anywhere six-dot braille label maker that produces crisp, clear braille that strikes, scores, and cuts in seconds. More information on our family of devices and products is at logantech.com. Logan Tech, improving quality of life with technology. If you would like to have a promotional item for your service or organization appear on Eyes on Success, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or look on our website for more information. Let's have Dean, Jim, and Ted introduce themselves. With three people as our guests today, we thought we'd ask you to introduce yourselves alphabetically and tell us a little bit about why people who are listening to this might be interested in you and your background, and then we'll get into what you're all doing now later. So, Dean, can you start? Sure. I'm Dean Blazy, and I have no idea why people would be interested in hearing from me now since I've pretty much been out of the business for about 15 years, except for some work I've been doing with National Braille Press on Braille to Go. But it sure is good to be here and to talk to Ted and Jim and all. Well, let me tell you, Pete's got a refreshable Braille display attached to his computer, so that's one reason people might be interested. Great. You were instrumental in developing some of the first Braille and speech note-takers for the blind. Yes. Yep. Probably one of the first note-takers that was uh, popular, the Braille and speak, was mine in the Braille light. And Jim? So I'm Jim Fruchterman, uh, founder and CEO of Benetech, which is the new name as of the Freedom Scientific uh, merger in 2000 of what was Arkenstown. So it's the next phase of our work in uh, helping people with disabilities. Arkenstone was about reading machines uh, for people who are blind or dyslexic or seniors. And that got bought by Freedom Scientific at the same time that Ted's company and Dean's company got bought. But because it's a nonprofit, I didn't get to spend the money on myself. I reinvested it in Bookshare and other areas. And so right now we're best known for, for the Bookshare online library that feeds all those Braille note takers with all the books that people might want to read. And how long have you been a member of Bookshare, Pete? Probably ever since it started, when originally individuals were scanning books and putting them up on Bookshare. Now a lot of it is directly given to them by the publishers, right? That's right, but we still, we're still we still out there scanning books, especially uh, non-educational books. We actually have a particular donor who loves to fund people to scan trashy books like Vampire Erotica. Because, um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, frankly, hey, blind people want to read all the same books sighted people do. Surprise! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And Ted? I'm Ted Henter. I was a professional motorcycle racer. I was eighth place in the world championship, blinded in a car accident, went to work for Dean Blasey in the 80s. And uh, that's where I really learned most of what I know about computers. And uh, that was world champion blind water skier in 91. I did a little bit of snow skin, and I started Henter Joyce, which is the creator of Jaws. Which is also running on Pete's computer. Thank you. I met great guys like Jim and Dean in the business, and 
it was about some of the best years of my life. And so I like these two guys very much. Well, you guys all had very exciting careers and made some tremendous contributions to the visually impaired community around the world. And everyone's very appreciative of that. Yeah, thanks, Peter. So I'm sure they'd like to hear a little bit about what you guys are up to these days, and uh, we'll get into that in a minute. I'd like to point something else out, too. A lot of people probably don't know that Jim Fruchterman is a rocket scientist. He really is. <laughs> Aren't you, Jim? Yeah. It's just that I happened to just build one, and it blew up. So, um, <laughs> so I have a perfect record. He knew when to get out. Yeah, exactly. Well, I figured that going into the software business was a great idea because when things blow up in the software business, you get a blue screen as opposed to, you know, 10-foot-high flames or 100-foot-high flames. It's a lot easier to hit the reboot button with software. You know, it wasn't until our kids were in high school that I realized that I was a rocket scientist also. I was trained as a physicist. In fact, I got my PhD in engineering physics because I always wanted to do kind of applied things. But it turned out that um, my first research project got unfunded, so I had to find something quick to do. And I wound up doing some computer modeling for someone in the aerospace department. And it turned out the computer modeling was to determine when flow became turbulent over the nose cones of missiles. Oh, I'll be darned. And as a coincidence, my first job out of college before starting graduate school was at NASA Goddard. Woo! Wow. Three rocket scientists. <laughs> Amazing. What happened to us, Ted? <laughs> I don't know. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is what Dean, Jim, and Ted are doing now. Anyway, I thought we'd start out by talking a little bit about maybe you can give people an update on what each of you is up to these days now that some of these ventures are behind you. So, Dean, you want to start out by telling us, you mentioned a little bit about working on the B2G with the National Braille Press, but what else have you been up to? Well, let's see. What have I been up to? Mostly, I've been having a lot of fun during the last 15 years. I retired shortly after Ted got us fired from Freedom Scientific, <laughs> and I you know, had a sailboat and did motorcycles, and I still do a lot of bicycling now, um, probably more bicycling than I do anything to try to keep in shape, and a lot of other hobbies. So I still ride the motorcycle. By the way, Ted, if you'd learn to drive a car as well as you could ride a motorcycle, you may still have your vision. But then we wouldn't be good buddies. So True. there you go. <laughs> and see, I guess about six, seven years ago, Brian McDonald from National Braille Press called me and asked me to help them to get into the digital age instead of printing paper, which um, seems to be going away around the world. That's how I got into helping him to build um, the Braille to go, which is a it's like a Braille Lite, except it's based on Android. It uses an Android operating system, and it's, it's quite a nice device if you haven't seen it. So I, I spent about five years helping to develop that, probably half to three-quarters of my time for the first two or three years, and now it's dwindled off to be a lot less. That took a long time to develop. It must have been kind of frustrating. <laughs> it did. It took a long time. We had funding issues. We kind of stopped for almost a year because we, uh, we ran out of money, and it, there was a lot of learning to do. Android is an enormous piece of software, and learning it and getting it to be accessible took a long time. 
Plus, at the same time, Google was working on it, trying to make it accessible. And we kind of had to wait for them to fix some things before we could get the kind of access we have now, which is pretty good. And I think last time we talked to you, you were working on some kind of two-dimensional Braille displays. Is that still going on? Well, we were working on full-page displays, um, but no, that's not going on anymore. We tried to do a, a low-technology mechanical device that kind of pushes pins up from the bottom and latches them. It turned out to be very complex because you've got so many different pins. You need astronomical amounts of uh, certainty that the pin would get pushed up and that it would latch. Of course, if you miss one pin, that can change the Braille quite a bit. So we stopped. Yes. Yeah, that's a tough task. Yeah. But I have tried to keep in touch with what's going on in the Braille field. And there's a lot of really good things happening. Some actually low-cost displays that are hopefully will hit the market and be, be shipping. That would be nice. Yes. So anyway, Jim, mm -hmm. unlike these other two slackers, you're still working. Tell us what you're up to these days. Uh, that's because I didn't make millions of dollars when we sold our companies. I mean, I might have. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but I kind of put it in a couple rough bins, right? I mean, one is growing Bookshare. And you know, Bookshare is up to almost half a million American students using using our library. You know, I think the dream... Um, I, I remember being in a room at, at NFB headquarters in Baltimore when Jim Halliday was talking about how we were going to remake Braille by having Braille note takers and displays that actually had complete libraries on them. And that vision is what you know we collectively all made possible by building the hardware, by building the technology, and, and in our case, building the library. So you know, I think now a person in the United States who has a disability is likely to have as good or better access to books than a sighted person through Bookshare. And we now want to do this globally. Um, so we've been working on expanding internationally uh, with Stevie Wonder's help and a lot of a lot of commitment from the World Blind Union. We got a global treaty three years ago in Marrakesh that replicated the U.S. law that makes Bookshare possible in the U.S. It's international law. The European Union is is has committed to ratifying it. The U.S may ratify it. We and NFB are, are working very closely to try to make that happen. But our dream is we would like to build a global library for people who are blind and whatever device they have in their pocket, anywhere from a cheap MP3 player all the way up to a, a Braille note taker, would have access to all those books. So that's the core of what Benetech does. But we get to work on all sorts of other cool things. We're trying to get the entire ebook publishing industry to publish all of their mainstream ebooks as completely accessible. The same book that a sighted person gets is a book that will sing and dance for a blind person. And of course the publishers like that because we're trying to help them make a lot of money. And so we launched a certification initiative in the last couple months and then we're trying to build, you know, so if you have a certified accessible, you know, digital textbook, then school districts should buy it and not need to get Bookshare because Every disabled kid will have the same book that every non-disabled kid has. So that's one dream. We're doing a lot of technology around accessing math and science, whether that's tactile graphics or image descriptions or making math accessible in a lot of different ways. This morning I was talking about a project that looks a lot like Ted's work around Henter Math, um, which uh, so, um, and I was like, hey, I've seen this before. It's just 10 years later. So I think that's what we're working on um, making happen and trying to, you know, get this technology in the hands of every kid who needs it, every adult that needs it, 
and then mainstream those technologies so that the need for specialized assistive libraries like the one we have with Bookshare go away. And despite the fact that you're not yet retired like these other guys, I understand you still find some time to have some good fun. You were out camping, apparently, during the uh, total solar eclipse in Oregon, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a photo buff. I like to take pictures. And so I was in a photo workshop that culminated in the eclipse. And I got some great pictures of the eclipse, uh, you know, including the diamond ring effect and red solar promises coming out the side of the sun. So it was a real blast. And I mean, I do a ton of other things. I'm on the board of for-profit tech companies. We do a lot of nonprofit work in areas other than accessibility, my joke is I'm I'm the nerd in Silicon Valley that, you know, isn't trying to get rich and gets to play with just about every important social problem. You know, I, I say if it involves software or data, does social good and doesn't make money, I'm interested. <laughs> Great combination. <laughs> and Ted? Thank you, Jim, for uh, mentioning uh, Hunter Math. Uh, after I got Dean and I fired from Freedom Scientific, I did start that company. And uh, I worked on it for a few years, and we had a lot of, you know, good people liked it, a lot of it. But it got to be such a struggle because it was really swimming upstream against uh, the establishment. Uh, it was just a different way of doing math for blind people, and I could see it was going to be like a 10-year problem. <laughs> and I was spending a lot of money on it, and, it, and I just basically gave up on it because I, I knew it was just going to take a while to get it done. So I'm glad, as Jim says, that it, it's coming around now. And um, I was very happy to work with Dean back in the day in the 80s and very proud of his success. I wouldn't be where I am today if, if he hadn't rescued me from this hotel job I had back then. So you know after, what I... <laughs> after giving up on Hinter Math, I've, uh, I moved back to Panama where I was born and raised. My wife and I are both born and raised there. And I'm pr pretty much involved with the Helen Keller School for the Blind down there, helping them out whenever they need money or computers or software or whatever it is. They have a beatball team. We bought their passports for traveling and buy them uh, air conditioners, computers, stoves for their kitchen. Whatever they need, they'll ask us. And I have connections down there with the Elks Club, Elks Lodge 1414. And they have some money and other donors like Dean have contributed. And so we're just basically helping out the Helen Keller School for the Blind down there and the Patronato Luz del Ciego, which is a, a foundation light for the blind. And they do adult computer training. So I've done a few uh, workshops with them as well. Panama is a very difficult environment to work in. It's a small country, three to four million, about the size of Florida, I think, area-wise. But boy, they just, they're just so far behind as far as doing good things for disabled people. So it's very frustrating. I do have a lot of friends down there that are involved with me and to get these things done. And I'm just enjoying my retired life. Dean and I have done the Ocean Ocean Kayaka Race oh, probably eight or ten times together, and that's always a lot of fun. You paddle from the Atlantic to the Pacific and have a lot of fun along the way, and a lot of <laughs> it's pretty tough as well. <laughs> Especially if you, if you do it the way we've done it a couple times where we swamped and then you got to get back in the boat and keep going. Are you still doing that every year? Not every year. I, I did do it every year for a while. I've done it 17 times, but I don't, I haven't done it in the last three years. So Dean and I keep 
lying to each other that we're going to do it next year. But <laughs> neither one of us wants to, but we we talk about doing it. <laughs> Sometimes that's easier than actually doing it. Yeah, right. For some reason, we don't think we're too old yet, but when the time comes, we we bail out. Well, if you wait long enough, you will be. We rent out our boats and we generate money for the Helen Keller Center, which is uh, the one of the main reasons we do. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and I understand, Ted, that you just uh, moved into a new townhouse that you built. How's that going? Today it's going good. It, the first week was a little little sketchy, but right now things have been getting straightened out. Finally got my cable, TV, and internet installed about an hour ago, just in time for this interview. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was touch and go for a while. It was touch and go, yeah. But right now it's nice. It's uh, it's right downtown St. Petersburg, where I spent about 40 years with the Henry, with Henry Joyce and Freedom Scientific and other things. Yeah, I like it. I can walk around, go to a lot of different parks and a beach and the yacht club and restaurants and It'll be nice. I have my guide dog, but she's not here with me. She's down in Panama because the last time I was here, I tried to fly back to Panama and they wouldn't let my dog on the airplane. So anyway, I left her down in Panama this time. I've only been, I've only been here about two weeks and I'm heading back tomorrow. Now for this week's final item. You know, you guys were really pioneers in several areas of assistive technology at a time when assistive technology wasn't really thought of by many people, as you pointed out. These technologies weren't around, these devices weren't around, and, you know, the visually impaired people had to find other ways of doing their business. And it was, you know, these enabling technologies that enabled people like me to have such a, you know, a great career as I did and fun career. And, you know, it's interesting that because of the pioneering work you guys did, these days, assistive technology is now thought of when people are developing new programs and websites and things like that. It didn't used to be that. It wasn't taken into consideration by mainstream developers and companies. Yeah, I mean, Yahoo threw an accessibility meetup here in Silicon Valley and 200 people showed up. I mean, that's all people from tech companies who wanna work on accessibility in one part of the country. That's mind-boggling, and as a group collectively, plus some of the other people that Dean named or people like Jim Halliday, I mean, we predicted that future, and then we worked together to make it happen. And that actually did change the way blind people interact with technology and ultimately, hopefully, the opportunities that they have in life. Well, and we've interviewed a number of younger researchers in their 20s and 30s who, for one reason or another, said, well... I didn't want to have my disability define me, and I didn't want to go into research in access technology. But the technology is so cool, I couldn't stay away. You know, there were so many exciting things to do. Yeah. There were so many great people in this industry. It really uh, really would be fun to come up with a list of, of names of people that did their piece of it, you know, great not just in inventing the technology, but in helping train people and getting the technology out in the hands of blind people. Yeah, the final result is the sum of a lot of little pieces over a long period of time, and we've come a long way. Yeah. As you can tell from listening to this conversation, all three of Dean Blasey, 
Jim Fruchterman and Ted Henter have been incredibly generous with their time and with their comments, sharing the credit for what they've done with other people who came before them or after them. And we'll be continuing this conversation next week on Eyes on Success. But remember that we've also done previous episodes with each of these individuals if you'd like to hear them. And you can find links to those in our show notes at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And be sure to make use of those show notes. We put those together because often we give a lot of contact information in the audio portion of the show itself, and you might miss that. So the show notes contain all the links and phone numbers and other information that you might have missed in the audio. In addition, if you want to hear interviews with other pioneers in the field of assistive technology, you can use the search feature on our website. Just type in the word pioneer and you'll come up with a list of many shows where we interviewed people who were enablers in the field of assistive technology. And that will include not only the three shows with Dean, Ted, and Jim that we reprised this spring in episodes 1722, 1723, and 1724, but other shows that we did featuring Jim and Ted, and also shows featuring Peter Korn, George Kersher, Jim Gashel, Jerry Chevalier, Jim Thatcher, Andrew Breen, and others. And if you don't know what each of those people have contributed to access technology, well, listen to the shows. I should also mention that if you want to receive weekly announcements of upcoming episodes so you don't miss them, just send an email to eyes on success, followed by the plus sign, followed by subscribe at googlegroups.com, and you'll get those announcements every week. You can also join a listener forum where you can post your own ideas and share them with other listeners. And to join that forum, you send an email to eos underscore discuss, followed by the plus sign, followed by subscribe at googlegroups.com. And if you prefer social media as your mechanism of getting an announcement every week, as Samantha announces at the end of each episode, you can get a weekly notification on Facebook or Twitter or Audioboom. And if you don't want to miss any shows at all, subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or look on our website for instructions for how to subscribe using a number of podcatching programs or devices. That's it for show number 1740. As Pete said, next week on Eyes on Success, we'll continue the conversation with Dean Blasey, Jim Fruchterman, and Ted Henter and hear more of their experiences as well as what they would like to see in the future. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.tiesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and on audioboom.com, at, eyes on success, or Twitter at, underscore eyes on success. 
We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.